And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. If you get that one, I'm gonna to have to move that one out of the bumper rotation. I keep forgetting that one's got lyrics to it. Welcome, everybody. We are live from the bunker, and it is already setting up to be a heck of a week, isn't it? Oh boy, I tell you. Um, okay, so Tucker's gone, Don Lemon's gone, Dan Bongino's gone, Disney's about to lay off another 4,000 people this week, uh, next week. Um, it's going to be, um, uh, it's going to be a crazy week, ladies and gentlemen. And we got CinemaCon, uh, going on this week in Las Vegas, which is where they're going to screen The Flash for the very first time. So, uh, here we go, folks. It's, uh, it's going to be an active week. Welcome, everybody. Uh, my name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. Give a shout-out to people who are listening to this program as a podcast. Uh, New Zealand popped up on the map again. Uh, so those of you who are listening, welcome. We are broadcasting live to YouTube, Odyssey, uh, Rumble, and Twitch. And uh, you can jump into the chat on any of those platforms. Uh, I see Keely, and I see Cam, and I see Dave over there in the YouTube uh, chat. But uh, chat's open everywhere else. If you are not with us live, you can uh, leave a comment uh, after the fact. If you're, if you're in Memorex mode, you can still leave a comment. As always, you can send us an email live from the bunker at sci fi for mecom or join the Discord and uh, jump in the conversations over there. So, yeah, CinemaCon starts tomorrow. There are theater owners that are sitting there saying, you know, we've already got some stuff uh, about what do the what do the studios need to do in order to save the movies? The movies aren't going away. <coughs> but there may be some there may be some interesting times ahead for the movie theaters. Now, the first quarter uh, the first quarter did apparently better than than some expected, so that's good. But you know you're going to have movies like uh, Super Mario Brothers that are going to be outliers because you have certain films that are going to do really, really, really well unexpectedly because they're not playing to a political agenda. They just want to tell an interesting and entertaining story. Which is uh, counterintuitive for some of these uh, some of these people. So, anyway, all right. So, um, couple of things. Now, I mentioned I mentioned the layoffs. This is the article in Deadline. Disney begins largest wave of layoffs. Will get more than halfway to target of seven thousand staff cuts this week. Now, this this sounds like this is the seven thousand that we already knew about, but I'm hearing. Uh, I, the way I'm reading some stuff, it sounds like some others, some other cuts are coming, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of speculation because Cameron Pasha is recording that he's getting told that ESPN is virtually untouched in this first wave. 
a lot of it's coming in other stuff, uh, other other departments. <laughs> excuse me, other departments, other divisions, uh, which means ESPN is kind of the the bread and butter sacred cow at this point. Uh, Chris Ant and uh, and Common Nerd both showing up in the chat. Common Nerd raid. I'll take it. Okay. Uh, uh, hi. Sorry, Snob. Maybe you can tell a different story with Harry Potter. Do we need a new Twilight version? No. And we're going to get into those things today. Um, I just... <clears throat> where do I start? So we got the news that, uh, that we're getting new Harry Potter stuff. Here's The Guardian, which is in the UK, which is where J.K. Rowling is based. Harry Potter TV series announced with J.K. Rowling executive producing. That's kind of accurate, but the way that headline reads, it sounds like she's the one running the show, and she's not the showrunner. <coughs> Here's uh, Variety. Harry Potter series adaptation officially ordered at HBO Max will feature entirely new cast... So yeah, that's the that's that's the thing. So let's dive in here. Here's the Guardian. The Harry Potter TV series is officially go at Max, the streaming service known until today as HBO Max. So this was this was part of that uh, big HBO Max streaming rebranding presentation that got us our first copyright strike from Warner Brothers. Thank you very much. The Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav announced the new service, which combines the original HBO Max with Discovery live-action series based on all seven books in the series published between 1997 and 2007, will become a decade-long series produced with the same epic craft, love, and care this global franchise is known for, according to a statement from the newly branded Max. The series will feature a new cast to lead a new generation of fandom full of the fantastic detail, much-loved characters, and dramatic locations that Harry Potter fans have loved for over 25 years. And uh, Rowling is going to be an executive producer, but she's not the showrunner. Um, I'm not sure I'm not sure if we know who the showrunner is going to be yet. Neil Blair and Ruth Kenley Letts, also executive producers, David Heyman, who executive produced the movies, uh, also in talks to be an EP. So, uh, your your multiple executive producers uh, already already started there. Um, and really, do you have a TV show if you don't have at least sixteen executive producers on a project anymore? I mean, really. <coughs> so. So here's the TV show. Now, this is going to basically be the movies over again. And J.K. Rowling has come out and said that she's excited about this project because it can go more in-depth in adapting the books, which is true. We've talked about this on the H2O podcast a number of times, where if you did a 10-hour project as opposed to a two-hour movie, you can tell more of the story, especially if you're doing an adaptation. So... Yes, we're probably going to get more of the books in each season. So one season per book. 
and we'll get more story and we'll get more detail and they can do that. Okay, great, fine, whatever. But is it necessary? Probably not. But this is, I think, I think this is an attempt at what they call a generational capture. Because if you think of, stop and think about the timing of this. And, and political controversies aside, we'll get to that in just a second, but from a standpoint of successful popular franchise, Warner Brothers doesn't have a whole lot. The DC thing is being rebuilt again, and they don't have anything else. They've got Harry Potter. And we have now 25 years which is a generation, which means now the people who are growing up reading those books and watching those movies now have kids of their own. And so we're going to reintroduce. It's like when I was a kid, when I was seven years old, I discovered Star Wars. Star Wars came out when I was seven. The original, the OG, Star Wars. Not Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, but Star Wars. And when... The when the the prequel trilogies came out and Clone Wars came out, my kid was born in the the early two thousands. So you have generational capture. Each generation has their point of entry for the Star Wars franchise, whether it's the original series, the prequel trilogy, the Clone Wars, Rebels, the sequels. Mandoverse, every generation's got a got a point where that's their Star Wars. Harry Potter doesn't have that. Outside of you've got the books, you have the movies. Well, now you're going to have the TV series, which are based on the books, which are going to be separate and apart from the films. And we don't talk about, you know, the beast stuff because those didn't succeed. For whatever reason. So now you have this new TV series that's in development. It's going to be completely original adaptation. Brand new. Based on the books. And I'm sure there's going to be some stuff in there. That is a wink and a nod to the movies. Because people are going to be expecting that. Whether they're going to be Easter eggs. Or musical cues. Or something. Snob said, that's why other generations are inferior. They entered Star Wars during the prequels or sequels. Well, you know. Uh, Snob says, I've tried to get my kids interested in Harry Potter. They missed the original run, but they're not interested. And maybe, maybe this is how you get that generation interested in the Harry Potter stuff, is having that new TV series. Because anything that happened before you were born didn't actually happen, did it? This is another uh, another aspect of the generational shift, is you have these people that are 20-somethings, teens and tweens and 20-somethings, who have absolutely no conception, no understanding of history. If it happened, if, if, if something took place before they were born, then it never happened. That's why we've got 
the first in so many things. Right? That's why Netflix thinks that they can cast a black Cleopatra, for example, or a black Anne Boleyn. Because nobody studies history. Nobody understands this stuff anymore. We're all going to go on TikTok and YouTube and Snapchat and whatever. By the way, those of you who have Snapchat accounts, I saw I saw a mention of this over the weekend. They got this new thing on Snapchat called My AI, which is kind of a kind of a I guess Snapchat's answer to Clippy from Microsoft. Snapchat has this new thing called My AI, which is going to track everything that you do to make the Snapchat experience better for you. I mean, could you be any more blatant in in declaring your plan to put all of your users under surveillance? I mean, what is that? Yes, you get an option to delete stuff. You can delete your My AI data, but folks... Get off of Snapchat. <laughs> if you're on Snapchat, get rid of Snapchat. Good night. They're not even hiding it anymore any, uh, anywhere. This is, hey, we got this new thing. We're going to keep keep tabs on you. I mean, my goodness. <coughs> Mindy says, if they can stick to the books, you'll have something, but she's going to have to stick on them. To get them to stick to the books, they're going to try to screw it up. See, that's the other thing. A lot, a lot of people are wondering about that. And, and oddly, enough, funnily enough, here's a question. Now we got this covered is sketchy at best. So I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock in this, but the, the, there is something to this. I think there's some foundation to this question. Headline. Hermione's casting is already being scrutinized after HBO Max's Harry Potter series announcement. This is from April 12th. Max, share the news. Within a matter of minutes, the conversation zoomed in on the set of new actors and actresses that will ultimately bring J.K. Rowling's beloved characters to light. There are many to love, to be sure, but the one that appears to have ushered in the most contentious debate is Hermione Granger portrayed famously by British actress Emma Watson in the original movies. Well, it's not really that she's famously played the character. She played the character. I mean, she's the only one who's played the character in the movies. There's the stage play, and we'll get to that in a minute. The complexity of the debate hinders on the fact that fans believe Warner Brothers Discovery will cast a black actress to play the role of Hermione, which would mirror the casting decision from the stage play Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Actress Norma Dumaswendi was cast for the role back then, a decision that rubbed many in the fandom the wrong way at the time. Okay, so now there's a debate. Since Hermione is black in the stage play, and she's not black in the book, so let's make a point of that. Now people are wondering if we're going to get a black Hermione in the TV show. Now Hermione is white in the books. And I find myself surprised that of all places, the Mary Sue would sit there and say, we don't need a black Hermione. Hermione. 
the this is the headline the troubling implications of a faithful yet inclusive Harry Potter adaptation now that's not what the original headline of this article was the original headline of this article was no black hermione in the harry potter reboot please the mary sue The very first sentence in this, the very first sentence in this article, shows you a little bit about where the Mary Sue stands on a lot of things. As I'm writing this, I I don't have a Karen voice, so just imagine a Karen voice. All right, Ethan Ethan's got a pretty good Karen voice. <clears throat> As I'm writing this, there's an active genocide happening to transgender people among other groups facing ongoing erasure. I want to start with this because that's the main issue with Warner Brothers Discovery and others continuing their relationship with J.K. Rowling, one of the most high-profile transphobes in the world, a transphobe pouring their excessive royalties into organizations lobbying for the extermination of trans people. Okay, that doesn't have anything to do with a black Hermione. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. It has absolutely nothing to do with who they cast as Hermione. This is just, let's take the opportunity to take another shot at J.K. Rowling. And we're going to skip all of this. Even if you could ignore all of that, and I can... There's still a major red flags with the announcement of the Harry Potter TV reboots commitment to a faithful adaptation that just didn't spring up out of nowhere after Rowling's transphobia came out. So this whole thing is about, you know, Harry Potter in retrospect. And it's... Uh, it's talking about well the fact the fact that Hermione is a is a mudblood is a is a mixed is a mixed character right she's not pure blood uh, wizard she's the marginalized one <laughs> other than being the brightest witch of her age Hermione is best known in the books for her dedication to the abolition of slavery. After learning about Winky's uh, servitude, an important elf omitted from the films, she searches the library for information. Upon discovering Hogwarts runs on the enslavement of these beings, the abolition of this slave caste becomes a significant goal for her onwards. Hermione begins the Society for the Promotion of Elvish Welfare. Her commitment to ending slavery throughout the books isn't an issue in itself. It's the reaction from everyone else and the characterization of the house elves themselves where things go south. All right, so they're, they're talking about all this other stuff and and Hermione and her elf stuff and, and all of these different things with regard to elves and slavery and that kind of thing. There's still not anything here about let's let's not cast a black... Thing. But now here we go. A connected major concern following this announcement is how Warner Brothers Discovery will cast the show. 
The current expectations of casting in a project like this will be used to downplay accusations of bigotry. After all, reports came out saying that Hogwarts Legacy introduced a transgender character for the same similar purpose. We're going to skip that. More relevant, Rowling has done this in the past. After the books were completed, she treated or cursed fans to bizarre facts she insisted were planned or intended all along. Since at least 20, uh, 2007, Rowling has retconned and revised without admitting mistakes to the point that it's become a joke because she's retroactively added racial and sexual diversity before with great harm, as in the case of Nagini in the Fantastic Beats movies. It's expected she'll do it again as an executive producer. Look, she doesn't have... She doesn't have that kind of power on this show, as far as I understand it. They're expecting a race swap, Mary Sue is, uh, a race swap for Hermione. So, why is the Mary Sue against... A black Hermione. Because somehow a black Hermione is a representative case for Rowling's bigotry? What? What? I mean, it makes no sense. Now, according to InsideTheMagic.com, we may already have a cast for the TV series. A report from Yahoo, which cites an uncredited TikTok user as having gone viral after sharing rumored casting details, lists another a number of actors rumored to be associated with Harry Potter characters, including Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Toby Wolf as Harry Potter. Now this is this is alleged. This is rumor. All right. This uh, grain grain bags of salt at the ready on this. Okay, folks. Bronte Carmichael's Hermione Granger. Look at that. She's white. <clears throat> Is her hair red? I don't think so. Joshua Pickering as Ron Weasley. Although he kind of looks a little bit more like a Harry. So, it's really too soon for all of this stuff to be going on. But, you talk about J.K. Rowling investing her money in all this stuff. J.K. Rowling sits there... And when people are talking about this stuff, she posts on, on Twitter, Dreadful news, which I feel duty-bound to share. Activists in my mentions are trying to organize yet another boycott of my work, this time of the Harry Potter TV show. As forewarned is forearmed, I've taken the precaution of laying in a large stock of champagne. She's, she's not... She's not putting up with it. I mean, she's just not. And and why should she? Hogwarts Legacy sales were 256% higher than expected. Well, I just spilled coffee all over myself. Look at that. 256% higher than expected, folks. Hogwarts Legacy is doing just fine. J.K. Rowling is doing just fine. And Warner Brothers Discovery sits there and says, hey, you know what? This is making money. We have this, and it's it's Mandalorian stuff, right? It's, it's we're going to use this IP, this intellectual property, to sell the channel. We're going to use Harry Potter to sell Max. 
and and jumpstart the subscriptions over there, but 256% higher than expected. So it's not it's not beyond the scope of 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 expectations here because it's like this thing's still making money. This thing's still popular despite your transactivist terrorist groups trying to get J.K. Rowling canceled, despite the the 12 angry, emotionally constipated blue hair check marks over on Twitter, or I don't know, maybe they got gold check marks this week. Maybe there's silver check marks this week. Our, our, your, your activist crowd trying to get J.K. Rowling ousted out the door, don't let it hit you on the way out type of thing. Well, actually, they probably would want the door to hit her on the way out. Because these people, these people are actively campaigning for harm to befall those uh, those people with whom they disagree, violently disagree. Uh, you know, if and there's a whole over the weekend I saw this and I don't remember. Somebody somebody has taken the time to compile a list of quote-unquote transphobic Twitter accounts. Now, Ethan's on this thing. Um, I, 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 a, few others, a few other accounts that are on this. Uh, this, thing, this thing's a massive list. We're not on it. But it's a massive list. And somebody actually took the time to put this list together. And I'm thinking, you don't have anything else better to do don't you have family? Don't you have a hobby? Don't you have something that could occupy your time a little more constructively than doing something like this? This is the kind of thing that Marxists do. This is the enemies list type of crap that Marxists and communists do. Because there has to be an enemy. There has to be a villain. There has to be a bad guy. Right now, it's J.K. Rowling. Next week, it'll be somebody else. Next month, it'll be somebody else. And it'll be a cause, and there's there'll be another cause, and another cause out of that, and another cause after that. And we will have, again, over and over and over and over again, calls for boycotts. Now, you can't say boycotts don't work. Boycotts work. Ask Bud Light. And I think Fox News is about to find out. Because with Tucker with Tucker gone, who 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 knows what that's gonna do. Uh common nerd in the chat, Ripa made the list. I didn't makes me feel sad. <laughs> well, you know, Cam says transphobic is a propaganda term. It is. It is. Uh, let's see. Who else do I see in the chat? I see Far and Away Finley in the chat. Good to see you. New name there. I, I, I need to do, I need to put together some kind of a thing, some kind of a sounder, a sound effect, or an, a, a visual effect, some kind of a thing to play, uh, when I see new names in the chat. Uh, we need to, we need to make a big deal about that, uh, just as a, thing i need to i need to work on that i will work on that that's that i'll make that commitment i'll work on that this week but you have 
all of this with the Harry Potter thing. And then right right on the heels of that, we haven't even gotten to the Twilight stuff yet, but right on the heels of all of this, now we've got news that Twilight is getting a TV series. And... (laughs) New names play Sin in the Clouds. Uh, Maybe. Twilight, Lionsgate Television, in early development on a series that could bring author Stephanie Meyer's book series back to life after the wildly successful movies. Now, I should point out, it has been it has been shared with me from a number of people that you have Twilight has two separate sets of fans. You have the fans of the books. And you have the fans of the movies. And those two groups are not necessarily the same. There are there is some overlap. Some people like the books and the movies. But there are a lot of people who like the books who do not like the movies. So perhaps this television series is a way to get the book crowd on board the filmed media... And we don't have to go with the sparkly vampire stuff from the movies. We can actually do something a little bit better, a little bit more accurate, or whatnot. (coughs) But it's telling how they start this article there in The Hollywood Reporter. Break out the sparkle. The Twilight Saga is getting the television treatment as sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that a series version of author Stephanie Meyer's best-selling book series is in early development via Lionsgate Television. Sinead Daly, whose credits include Tell Me Lies, The Walking Dead, World Beyond, Raised by Wolves, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and The Get Down is attached to write the script for Twilight. Sources say Daly is working with Lionsgate TV to determine what the specific take on Twilight will be and if it will be a remake of Meyer's book or a different offshoot. Now, that's interesting because if we're going to play in that sandbox, but we're not going to adapt the books, we're just going to do something in that universe, that may not play as well unless they're going specifically after the movie audience and they're not, and they're not concerned with the book audience. Twilight TV series is in its infancy and does not yet have a network or platform, as sources say the studio, which controls the rights to the franchise, plans to lead the development on the project before shopping the rights to the package. There's not yet a timeline for when the Twilight series will be taken out to potential buyers. Now, Lionsgate Television is a production studio. So Lionsgate, this is one of those things like what what David Zaslav was talking about with Warner Brothers, where we're going to decide... If we put the material that we make, if we monetize it and sell it, license it to other networks like TNT or CBS or, or CW or, or wherever, and keep it in-house with HBO Max, HBO Showtime, that kind of thing. So now you have Lionsgate TV as the studio, the production studio. They're the ones who are actually going to make the series then they have to find somebody to air the series, to distribute the series. So they've still got to find that either Netflix or Amazon or Apple or Paramount or, or, or Max, wherever it's going to live. And 
maybe this thing doesn't even get made. If it's still just in development and they're writing scripts, there's there's nothing here <coughs> that says that this is a series order, this is a pilot order, this is a first look deal, or something like that. That it's it's development. Which means that Sinead Daly could write a script and Lionsgate television executives could look at the script and they go, Yeah, no, I think we we won't we won't do this. Or they'll hire somebody else and write a new kind of script or something. Sources say author Meyer is expected to be involved in the television adaptation. Wick Godfrey and former Lionsgate Motion Picture Group co-president Eric Feig, who during his tenure at Summit Entertainment brought the right, bought the rights to the Twilight book series after Paramount Pictures passed, are both attached to executive produce the television take. Godfrey's Temple Hill banner produced all five of the movies that Feig's Summit distributed. The film franchise, which made stars of Kristen Stewart, Robert Pattinson, and Taylor Lautner, collectively grossed more than $3.4 billion worldwide. So this thing is not as far along as the Harry Potter series. Uh, And they're also reviving the Spartacus TV series, by the way, with a sequel series from creator Stephen S. DeKnight. Now, this is not Stephen Knight over at Pinky Blinders. Uh, this is Stephen S. DeKnight from um, Daredevil. <clears throat> the Twilight films recently moved their streaming home to NBC Universal's Peacock after a stint in Netflix. So, maybe, maybe Peacock. NBC Universal uh, becomes the streaming home for uh, the the new Twilight stuff. NBC Universal, maybe, who knows? We'll see. Um, so this is this is still early enough that it might not happen, but we'll see. All right. When we get back, somebody somebody in in the uh, in the Discord was talking about remakes and mentioned mentioned something that should happen, uh, and we're going to talk about that just briefly here after the break. Stand by for a second. We'll be right back. If you unsubscribe to our podcasts, our legion is doomed. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. That's a huge question and one that I would rather not answer, but I'm going to answer it. Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors. I was just kind of noodling on this very idea, so it's funny you bring it up. Good question. That's a great question. I love this question. Yeah. That's a good question. Count on Sci-Fi for me to be there asking all of the questions. It's a really good question. Bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Sci-Fi for me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Good morning, Multiverse. Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci Fi for Me TV. Back live from the bunker. Hey everybody, how you doing? Drifty, is that work? Drifty? 
Why are we calling him Drifty? Is that what we're? Is that what we decided to call this dinosaur, Drifty? All right, maybe I guess I don't know. You're gonna have to see if Mrs. Boss is happy with that. Back live from the bunker here, talking about remakes. And the reason that I'm playing westerns, Nikto, Nikto, Klatu Barada Nikto. Keely, uh, Keely's got a comment. R.I.P. Neil Adams and Kevin Conroy. They've they've been gone for a while. Is there is there something in the news about that stuff? I don't know. All right, so we're talking we're talking remakes. And over in the Discord server, uh, we have a suggestion from MS. And I want to I want to this it kind of dovetails on this topic for today. I want to I want to get to it here. MS uh, writes. Uh, just putting this out there, I think the climate of America is a good one for the return of the Western. Men are being bashed. We need stories again about real men coming to the rescue. And that's an interesting suggestion. And uh, funnily enough, we have this in Deadline. The Magnificent Seven series reboot from Mick Pizzolatto in the works at Amazon Studios. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but since since it got mentioned in our Discord server... Oh, 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 I see Keely. Okay, he's responding to the, to the, to the promo that we have. Yeah. So we have, uh, so we have the Magnificent Seven reboot, which didn't apparently start out as a Magnificent Seven. It apparently started out as something else and got reworked into a Magnificent Seven remake. So, looking in, I mean, it's not in our wheelhouse, but I find it's interesting that we're getting a Western back uh, in this in this day. I mean, 1923 is doing really well. Yellowstone's got uh, got good uh, reviews and positive buzz. So maybe maybe the climate is good for westerns to make a return. I don't know. We'll see. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting year, certainly because if the superhero movie fatigue is real, and I don't think I don't think it is, I don't think superhero movie fatigue is real. I think bad movie fatigue is real. I think woke movie fatigue is real. I think political agenda movie fatigue is real, and that applies both to films and television shows. And you're going to and and news media, and you're going to find uh, a loss of attention, a loss of revenue, a loss of uh, interest from people when they get any kind of inkling that something is not going to be uh, entertainment driven rather than agenda driven. Case in point. The Super Mario Brothers, which is pr uh, proof of the, the corollary. When you give us something that's entertainment-driven, as Nintendo instructed Illumination Studios, then you have a success. Sitting right now at $876 million worldwide to the box office. This thing will cross a billion dollars in the next week or so. And it's on track to do well above expectations. You can see here the numbers. This 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 trend line 
See, this shaded area here in this bar graph, and those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, you should check out our video every now and again so you can see these visual aids we use to demonstrate. But you have this shaded image in the, in the bar graph. This is the expected performance. This is where they thought it would be box office numbers-wise, and it is definitely above that. And I, I'm sticking with a billion seven by the time it's all said and done. I'm seeing a lot of predictions for a billion five. I think it's going to do a billion seven. That's a guess. I could be wrong. It's been known to happen. <clears throat> but I think it's going to do a billion seven. And as we've pointed out before, Nintendo, and, and we pointed it out on other shows where I've where I've put in appearances, not only is the movie doing well, but Nintendo is doing other stuff merchandise-wise, books, sales on the games, tie-in stuff, things things to sell the game and the Mario Brothers world, the universe, that whole gaming universe, everything tied into the Mario franchise. Besides just the movie. Which is what DC and Marvel should have been doing this whole time with all of these superhero movies. Hey, you like the movie? Here's the comic book. Here's the video game. Here's the t-shirt and the lunchbox and the whatnot. Because as we've learned, and they pointed out over on, on WDW Pro stream uh, talking about Star Wars, these uh, these nerd properties, these intellectual properties that are very, very, very niche, science fiction especially, but fantasy as well. But you get these superhero stories. Now, granted, we've got the millions of people that go and watch the movies. I'm talking about the niche audience that digs in deeper, that buys the, the, the merchandise and buys the books and reads the comic books and plays the video games. That group is significantly smaller than the people that just go and watch the movie. I'm talking about the the people, the collectors, the people who understand all of the different comic book runs, the people who were there for the for the for the clone saga, for the for the uh, one more day, one fine day, crisis on infinite earths, infinite crisis, identity crisis, secret wars, all of those. If you can tell me exactly what Iron Man's first uniform, first first outfit was made from, if you can give me uh, uh, all of the different esoterica, that group right there is a niche audience that that needs to appeal. You know, they're the ones who are going to tell everybody else about what you're making. And if you're if you're just if you're just concentrating on the people that make the movies, you're not going to make as much money, because with these niche IPs, the money, as Star Wars proved back in 1977 and 78, the money is in the merch. The money is in <coughs> the ancillary stuff. It's not in the it's not in the movie itself. It's in what you do connected to the movie. The Harry Potter franchise is the same way. That's why there's an attraction at Universal Studios down in Florida. That's why there's Hogwarts Legacy. 
That's why there's a new Quidditch game that just got announced. That's why they tried to do the Fantastic Beats movies. The movies are not where the money gets made. Not all the time. Not primarily. It's in the merch. It's in the toys. An interesting theory about Cara Dune versus Ray. I mean, statistically speaking, Cara Dune's stuff, the Cara Dune merch was selling much better than the Ray, Ray merch. And it's been postulated that that may be one of the reasons why they got rid of Gina Carano is because she's the wrong kind of female lead character that they wanted to be popular. I don't know. Faraway Finley says Harry Potter studio tour in London makes money. Yeah. Thousands of kids walking around with $130 Hogwarts robes. I, I mean, how many how many kids... Now, now, the Harry Potter thing is a little bit different because it started with the books. But how many of us of an age <clears throat> remember the lines at the bookstores? Now... We're used to lines around the block for the Star Wars movie because that's happened back in the 70s and 80s. People would line up for blocks to get into Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi and Indiana Jones, all of those things. But you don't, all, you don't really have very often lines at the bookstore, but the Harry Potter phenomenon was lines at the bookstore. And I think maybe the Twilight stuff had a little bit of this activity as well because of the popularity of it. Here's a thought. If the Harry Potter TV series is successful, which it probably will be, and if the Twilight TV series gets made, and it probably will, and if it's successful, and maybe it will, I really hope that Lionsgate exercises some restraint and does not follow through and give us a new adaptation of Fifty Shades of Grey, which is Twilight fan fiction, of course. You all know that. Let's leave that lie, okay? Let, let's just... Let's just... That one... Let's just leave that one where it is, shall we? <clears throat> but if you give us, even even if it's the Harry Potter adaptation is all brand new and whatnot, what the key to success will be, and Nintendo figured this out, and that's why that's why Super Mario Brothers is about to crack a billion dollars in in a month. The key to a successful franchise adaptation is going to be making it entertainment-driven rather than agenda-driven. I'm going to use Bob Iger's words against him. This is how you do it. Entertainment-driven and not agenda-driven. Studios need to take notes. Why Top Gun Maverick was a success? Why the Super Mario Brothers movie was a success? It's because they kept the agendas out of it. Mission Impossible is going to be the same. Mission Impossible is going to blow up. Now, we've got CinemaCon this week. CinemaCon is the big conventions 
the big convention in Las Vegas of all the different theater chain owners. So Regal, uh, Regency, um, AMC, all, all these all these guys are coming in, and, and the studios are doing all their big showcase presentations. And this is going to be the first week when anybody in the general public sees The Flash. And that's going to be a tricky one, too, because Warner Brothers Discovery is stuck with this one. And they're going to have to do what they can to minimize whatever damage is, is coming from the Ezra Miller angle. And they're going to have to play up. This is an entertaining movie. And that's what we've been hearing. We've been hearing that this is a very entertaining movie. It's a great film. It's a, one, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic story. That's what we've been hearing. We've been hearing a lot of po- positive buzz about the story. And if Warner Brothers is smart, that's what they focus on. This is the story that resets everything in the universe. This is the story. It's, and it's all story-driven, character-driven, whatnot. And we downplay everything. Last I heard, Ezra Miller was not going to be part of the production press junket. The, the promotion. That's smart. Keep him off to the side. Maybe he does a couple of interviews and reinforces, I'm getting help, I feel bad about what happened, we're working on that stuff, and I, let me, I'm, I'm going to go home now and, and talk to my doctors. That, that's the interview that, that Ezra Miller does. And then Ezra Miller goes away. You minimize that connection in order to minimize the amount of damage that can be done to the box office for that movie. There's still going to be... Uh, a hit. It's still they're still going to take a hit <coughs> because Ezra Miller is in the movie. But if word of mouth is good coming out of the first weekend, the Ezra Miller thing, as long as they can downplay that and not focus on that, and we keep everybody everybody's attention on Michael Keaton or and story, then maybe they survive enough that it breaks even. Uh, it, it'll probably break even. It probably will not be a billion-dollar movie. And at this point, I think maybe Warner Brothers has accepted that reality that they're not going to get a billion dollars out of this thing. We just need to break even. In which case, you're looking at probably somewhere around eight, eight fifty, eight seventy, maybe. Because it's, right now it's, what, a $250 million budget? They got to make that back. So that plus all your marketing, your reshoots, everything else, you're probably looking at needing to be about eight, eight fifty million. If they break even, I think they'll count it as a win. And then they reset the DC universe all over with you know Blue Beetle and and whatever comes afterwards. So you know this is just let's get through this. But I'm I'm looking. At the rest of CinemaCon, I'm curious to see what other news we're going to get coming out of this week out of Vegas. So we'll see how that does. And yeah, I look, if, if Odin's going to have to eat pepper, uh, uh, pineapple on pizza, I feel for him too. I really do. Because pineapple does not belong on pizza. And you will never get me to eat it. I don't know. Uh, Keely says, if Gal Gadot is no longer Wonder Woman, I'm out. Curiously enough, 
y'all y'all provide some y'all provide some prompts for me to be brilliant and share some insights. Curiously enough, Anna de Armas uh, was asked uh, about that because apparently ghosted her her female James Bond ish type of movie with Chris Evans is not doing very well. I guess people don't like to see Chris Evans as the damsel in distress, but okay. Uh, apparently, uh, Anna de Armas was asked about taking over the role of Wonder Woman, and her answer was basically, I love what Gal Gadot's doing. I think she should keep going with it. Deflected it very nice and easy, and, you know, we're not going to get into that drama. I, you know, Gal's, Gal's doing it. And as far as we know, she's still playing the part. And yes, now I remember when people thought she was too skinny uh, when when she was first announced. And at the time, she kind of was. And she did her workout regimen and she did her muscle building and whatnot. And her performance has been very good with regard to, you know, what material she's had. I mean, she's a, she's a fairly good Wonder Woman. We'll see if her future is secure, uh, but I haven't I haven't seen anything about her getting replaced, uh, nor have I seen anything about her going forward. She's in the Shazam sequel, but beyond that, there I think there's a rumor. I think she might be in Flashpoint. I'm not sure, but here's something else that I saw over the weekend, and I can't, I haven't been able to source it to verify to anything. I just saw somebody mention it. So it could be not even a real thing. I think I saw Yellow Flash mention it. The Flash movie may include, and I don't think it does, but wouldn't it be cool if, uh, but the Flash movie apparently maybe includes Nicolas Cage as Superman in a cameo, like a just blinking you miss it type of thing. I don't know. I I don't know if that's true or not. I have I I don't have any anything that I have not seen anything to to support that. But if that's in there, that generates worth of mouth. That generates the buzz. Did you did you know? It's not just Michael Keaton that's back. Nicholas Cage is playing Superman. That kind of stuff, that's how you put butts in seats. <clears throat> that word of mouth is how you get people into the movie theater to see it. And we downplay Ezra Miller as much as possible. Warner Brothers knows that they have a problem with Ezra Miller. Warner Brothers is stuck with Ezra Miller in this movie. And they know that. I'm curious to see how they handle the press in connection to this movie. How they promote it. Who comes out for the press junkets and the red carpet and the screenings and the previews and all that other stuff. I'm curious about that. I mean, Ezra Miller will have to be at some of this just because, I mean, he's front and center in the movie. But if they minimize press access to Ezra Miller, uh, 
then that tells me that they're moving away and keeping keeping this off the radar as much as possible in order to salvage the movie. <clears throat> and yeah, Keel, I think I think Nicolas Cage as Egghead would be would be a lot of fun. <coughs> a lot of fun. Okay, that's it today. Let me look here and see because I'm talking with somebody about possibly being on tomorrow, but I don't have confirmation yet, so I'm not going to do that. Coming up on Wednesday's program, I will have the son of Charles M. Schultz. Monty Schultz has written a book called Metropolis, and uh, he will be on to talk about that on Wednesday. And we'll probably get into uh, some stuff about uh, his dad and the writing process and the creative endeavors and that sort of thing. So tune in there. Tomorrow night, H2O Podcast. I don't know what we're going to talk about yet. And then, of course, we've got all of these different social media platforms where you can find us. And, by the way, I got reminded over the weekend, it was 14 years ago on Sunday that I dove into the Twitter cesspool. And just very briefly, let me let me let me address a question because somebody asked me the other day about my personal Facebook account versus all of the other social media stuff and how I run this business. And my personal Facebook account, I don't connect with anybody over on Facebook. I promote the brand with the brand stuff, the brand social media stuff. My personal Facebook account is mine, and I've, I've cleaned it up, and there's not a lot of personal things on there. I'm, I'm posting various different things, rants and articles and news items and whatnot, that have no connection to anything that I do here. But the question about how I run my business, if I ran this as a business, there would be a lot of things different. And social media would be a lot of different things. All right, that's it. Is midnight is midnight's edge in the morning keep is still going? Uh, let me do this. Let me let me see. Are they still going? All right, Keely, go ahead and put the put the link to Midnight's Edge in the chat over there. Yeah, it looks like they're still going. Uh, Carrie is still going over there on on deprogrammed, so you can check out any of those. And of course, yes, we've got all of the different social media platforms. We've got the different video platforms. We've got the Discord server where you can connect with us. And that's it for today. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Uh, welcome to the new people. Uh, Common Nerd, glad you caught us live today as well. Of course, you can always catch us in replay and, uh, and, uh, and leave a comment and share your thoughts. If you have ideas for topics, if you have ideas for people that we can invite as guests, let us know. Live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. We'll be back to do this all again tomorrow. Don't forget, the government hates you. Well, the politicians hate you. The media lies to you. God has a plan for you. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 